Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. A man's journey and find it. I found it in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to do part two of uh, Romans 8. And it looks like we're also going to have a house, a little bit of house church going on here, too, with Weatherby House Church and some singing. So, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Larry and the family. Well, Brother uh, Michael, it's really good to be with you today. And we join Michael and and his family, Michael, the other Michael, <laughs> Michael Smith, up at Joplin this morning. We had a good time of fellowship, and I had a time of fellowship with Jerry on the way up there. So God is good. And uh, anyway, uh, Mark, uh, I'm going to take this headset off, and I've asked Rosette and Mark to sing up because we're using a headset mic. We're not too uh, – <laughs> we don't have drop-down screens and electronic uh, wizardry in this little Pineville Weatherby Church. So, this the first selection that has been requested has been uh, in the old school hymnal, page three hundred and eighty-one. I roam, 
It's my hope for which I pray, Lord, that I'll anchor safe at home. Savior, hear me when I call thee, and do save me from all fear. Savior, hold my trembling hand, Lord, for I know that thou art near. In that land there is no sorrow, there no funds our souls molest. All is love and joy forever. In that home of peace and rest. Savior, hear me when I call thee, and do save me from all fear. Savior, hold my trembling hand, Lord, for I know that thou art near. Okay, the last one we're going to sing before we turn this back over to Brother Michael is Out of the Old Psalter. Page 35, Psalm 30A. <clears throat> Psalm. It's taken out of Psalm 30A. O Lord, I will exalt you, for you have lifted me. My foes you have allowed to glory over me. O Lord, my God, I plead that you might heal and save. Lord, you from death have ransomed and kept me from the grave. His saints so praise Jehovah and thank his holy name. His anger lasts a moment. His grace a whole lifetime, for sorrow like a pilgrim may tarry all the night. But then a shout of joy comes when dawns the morning light. In prosperous days I boast, unmoved I shall remain. O Lord, you by your favor, my mouth is strength maintained. For when your face was hid, I soon troubled sore. I cry to you, Jehovah, O Lord, I will implore. Is there in my blood prophet, when in the grave I dwell? Will thus proclaim your praises, your truth and glory tell. Oh, hear me now, Jehovah, be gracious unto me. To you I cry, Jehovah, oh, thou my helper be. You now have turned my sorrow to dancing full of joy. You loosened all my sackcloth and girded me with joy. To you sing songs my glory and never silent me. O Lord, my God, I'll thank you through all eternity. Brother Michael, I'll turn it back over to you, brother. Okay, thank you. And, uh, so uh, everyone over there, thank you as well. Okay, uh, we 
where were we leave at here in Romans chapter 8? I think it was verse 27. 27 I think we covered, but I think we probably, like you said, need to go back and summarize a little bit. We got moving pretty quick, so. All right. Um, Yeah, well, where would you like to begin? Probably 20 would be a good, maybe. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, so... For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Uh, Well, that's a good place to stop, don't you think? Uh, Yeah. yeah. We talk about, uh, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. What are we talking about there? We're talking about the difference between what Christ has done for us and what we could never do for ourselves. <laughs> you know, even we couldn't even, you know, we weren't even subject to vanity. We talked about yesterday. We were not even subject to vanity willingly. We were born yeah. and conceived in this world without any kind of uh, choice of our own. You know, and but yet Christ, we're going to see later on, um, is the one that delivered us and gave us the hope that we have in Christ because of His completed work. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, it goes to twenty-one uh, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. And, um, you know, that's that's really interesting. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure that anyone who might be listening to this or will later hear this, uh, if, if you're over <laughs> 39, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, that age, but in other words, as we get older, we can see our bodies are starting to wear and when you get over 50, you see it more. And then when you get over 60, I talked to my dad the other day, and he's 87. He'll be 88 the 2nd of September. But, you know, uh, the real groaning is to be in a place where there is no curse, where there's no sin, and where we uh, where we will see Christ. You know, that's that's what we really want to see. That's what we really long for is to be with Christ, our Redeemer. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the redemption of our bodies, you know. Yeah, it would be nice not to be sickly and tired. And <laughs> I'm tired today, so I was yeah. the kind of energy yeah, I had last night is not today. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things to think about there. There's the whole creation growing up, too. Is that, are we just talking about 
mankind itself, or are we talking about everything? This whole the earth that we live on, this place, this world that we live in. Yeah, I think it. I think it. Yeah, it's all of creation, not just all humans. I think it's the nature of the beast and the nature of the fall and the nature of the curse. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's clear that it's the case, isn't it? <laughs> just yeah. uh, twenty four. We for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth. Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes, maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So powerful. I mean, that, that those four verses are, you know, in the 24th verse, I've mentioned this before, and I'm somewhat redundant, but... <clears throat> they say redundancy is the mother of all learning, so therefore my justification for being redundant. I don't know. But anyway, um, Thomas, <clears throat> you know, he said, unless I see. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen. And that's, I think, this is what this is alluding to. And um, we haven't seen Christ in, physically but we have seen him in demonstration and power through the Spirit. And then he says, he brings the Spirit into it in 26. That is actually the Spirit that helps us and even prays for us, you know. And notice that the prayer that he makes, of course, all of God's prayers according to God's will. You know, Christ would never pray outside the will of God, for he is God. You know, and the fact is that, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, Jesus doesn't get all of his prayers answered. (laughs) Hold on a minute. Jesus is God. You know, Jesus prays everything according to the will of God. And so, therefore, he, by praying according to the will of God, he gets all of his prayers answered because God's will can never be thwarted. You know, so... What about the very first line of uh, 26? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Yeah. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think talking it, about our physical infirmities? Is it talking about our spiritual? Is it. Uh, I think it can be both. I think it'd be both. I mean, you know, the next ver- next line says, "We know not what we should pray as we ought." <clears throat> you know, I know that Paul, you know, prayed three times that the thorn would remove be removed from the flesh, and the, he got an answer. <laughs> Jesus answered his prayer. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, you know, 
and uh, and that's sometimes not the answer that we want in our flesh. You know, we don't like sometimes when God answers in the negative. We always want Him to answer in the affirmative, but uh, sometimes the answer is no. That that doesn't mean He hasn't answered us, and of course. The Spirit is the one that is making intercession for us, actually. Even though it seems that we may be making intercession, actually the Spirit's the one that's really interceding Doing the work. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My prayers are an awful lot of me saying, God, I really don't know what to say to you. Mm. I don't. I accept that you're awesome, you're... Um, all sovereign, all powerful. You give it and take it away. You do what your your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't know what to say to you except God. Please pour your loving kindness upon me and and your mercy upon me and uh, brothers, uh, fellow saints in Christ and people that I care about, because I really don't know what else to, to ask for. I mean, uh, it seems that everything else seems to be a very superficial second. Now, many people might disagree with me on that, but the more earnestly and honestly I pray to God, the more I realize how little... It's like Job, you know what I mean? It's like, what am I to say to you, God? Just have mercy on me, God. You're sovereign, you know what I mean? What am I doing here? Help me through all this. Anyways, um, really it is. I mean, that's how I... Other people will say differently, and they feel that... But I don't know. That's just my experience. Well, and you know, I think that's evidence that you're praying correctly, because in the 26th verse, notice it says, The Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what to pray. We should pray, and I, I feel that way often as well. And so it's it's comforting to know that the, it is the Spirit that's making intercession for us. And I'm like you. Oftentimes, I I'm in a quandary, you know. And and I I've, I'm feeling oftentimes I'll feel hopeless and helpless. And that's a good place to be. <laughs> and from the standpoint of relying upon someone that is has the God of all hope and is the God of all power, you know. Until we see ourselves as hopeless and helpless, we can't see a powerful, almighty uh, God that is the God of all hope, you know. Right. Here's the other, but 27, too, it's, uh, there's another very insightful verse. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it gets more and more as you read about this, as you take it seriously, the Word of God, you're like, okay. Um, yeah, he makes intercession for the saints. He's not talking about the rest of the world, the saints according to God's will. Amen. And that he knows a search of, he searches the hearts. I'm assuming that's us. Because yes. the mind, because he maketh, because uh, because of the mind of the spirit. So that's, a, that's an interesting 
part of that uh, sentence. What is the mind of the spirit? And are we talking now about the, the spirit of God, or are we talking of man? Or both? Well, I think, uh, I I think, think it's both. That, uh, yeah, I think for the elect, I th- of course, I think it's here speaking of, because it's capitalized, I think it's speaking of the spirit of Christ, but the spirit of Christ and the mind of the spirit dwelleth in all of God's elect, all of his people, but I like when it says that he makes it specific to the saints, and he makes it specific to the will, the will of God. It's not of, it's not of the will of man. It's not of him that willeth, but of God that showeth mercy. Of his own will, James says, he beget us to be a kind of a first fruits. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom no shadow or turning. The other thing that's interesting is <clears throat> this word knoweth. You know, we know that God is omnipotent, meaning that he has all knowledge, he knows all things. So it's really, it's it's a jam-packed verse. It shows his omnipotence. It shows the work of the Spirit, and it shows the exclusiveness of his intercession for his people and it shows that everything is according to his will nothing is there are no maverick wills outside of god's will he works all things after the counsel of his own will (laughs) right and also brings up the thought too of the fact that he knows our thoughts yeah which is uh which is uh Makes well, it makes it makes you think seriously when when you start projecting your uh, you know, hate, anger, frustration, you know, getting angry towards other brothers in Christ, or even in the world, is like you know the thing that you brought up that I can't remember which one of the brothers in Christ uh, said it to you, but uh, I've been using that quite a bit and recommend sharing that recommendation with others. That run across to the, the, recognize that they are, are having a spiritual battle too, but uh, you know, God, ha- dear Lord Jesus, help me, <laughs> <laughs> save me, because Amen. those thoughts really are damning. And Jesus wasn't kidding when he says, you know, uh, you know, as we talked yeah. about earlier in Second Second Corinthians ten five about you know that every thought must be uh, a paraphrase captured in. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. And it really has to be because if we don't submit to that and ask God to help us submit to that, where there's only one thing that can be done, once again this comes back to this we know not we know not what to pray or what we ought to pray. This really what I've come to realize is just when those when that wickedness inside me comes out and I start projecting about this person or the neighbor or yeah, my son's mother or whatever. I just think trying to allow God to crush it. He knows Amen. what I need. So I think it's very powerful to realize what's really going on here. Um, and our thoughts are condemning. So I, please help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next verse, uh, 28. And uh, we know that all things work together for good. <clears throat> to them that love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose. Well, this is something to think about. Does all things work together for good to them that love God? And to the, uh, to uh, to them who are called according to his purpose. Hmm. Well, that's a real contradiction to the way the world sees things, especially the New Age stuff and Catholicism and the universalist type of attitude. That's to them that love God that all things work good for good. <laughs> Yeah, I would say so, the, the Arminians' but, interpretation would be something like this. We know that God loves all people, and their decisions result in them loving God. <laughs> we know that God loves all people, but those people's decisions are a result in them loving God. In other words, this scripture, when it says, and we know, of course, we is speaking of those who are the called. The called. It's interesting. It doesn't say here, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit. It doesn't say, and we hope that all things work together. You know, have you ever met somebody and they say, well, I hope everything works out, <laughs> you know. But we know all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called. Is speaking there very specifically of God's elect. And I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like to hear the word elect. So you can put in there, God's people, or you can put in there for all for whom Christ died, or you can put in there, we're going to see in the next verse, all for whom he did foreknow. In other words, those he knew before he predetermined what their destiny would be. So, yeah, it's full. And then, of course, the, the end of that verse, too, is it's according to his purpose. Yeah. Which is the big kicker. Kicker to the old yeah. bride. Pride good. <laughs> you mean I'm not that important, really? Even if I love God? No. You're really not. You're the creation. You're the creator. He's the sovereign God, and he has his purpose. And the reason why you and I are talking right now, I'm sure he has his purpose in all this. And... Well, not, I mean, sure, I know he has his purpose and all that. So, cause, <laughs> you, you know, know you know. You yeah. know, and you know what? Uh, there's, uh, there is a, when we start talking about his purposes, his ordination, his choices, his predestination, his foreknowledge, his Ordination, all of those terms are rooted and grounded in uh, the decree of God. In other words, the unchangeable nature of God. God cannot be flattered, bought, cheated, or, or in any way 
manipulated. And if if it's okay with you, I if, if with your permission, I would like to read this because I've read it on I think I've read it on your show before, but I, I think it points to this verse very. This whole passage is called Destination and Choices. <clears throat> and this is I don't know when I I don't even know when I wrote this, but it's called Destination and Choices. In our world we are told that we have the power of choice. My friend, we must be careful to evaluate this voice. In no instance is this concept true, and as it relates to eternal life, it is especially taboo. For God distinctly tells us in his word that if we have chosen Christ, we are already one of his herd. My sheep hear my voice, and they do follow me. You see, he has selected us from eternity. You shall become as God, knowing good from evil, Lucifer's deception to mankind was revealed. Since the fall, men have tried to become their own Savior, Redeemer, but not true for some. Even though Saul of Tarsus was running astray, God struck him down and said, You're going my way. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. God made the decision for his sheep's destiny. What a comfort this truth brings to our souls, to know that our Father, our future, controls. Whenever we sin, <clears throat> he forgives his wayward lamb and reminds us in his word, I am that I am. He has put all things under Christ's feet, including also the tares and the wheat. May we ever remind ourselves of this fact. The shed blood of Jesus is a solid contract. The contract is between the Father and Son. The work of atonement is already done. Let's give the credit to whom it is due. Our eternal salvations from him, not me or you. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yes. The more, more you, you meditate upon it and contemplate the, the reality of our relationship with our sovereign God, the more humbling it actually is. It is, really I've, been, is. I've been I've been reading bits and pieces of Ezekiel on the show these recordings of this book I'm reading, and uh, yeah, you, if you really take your time and read Ezekiel, you're going to come back, could come to a realization that uh, God really does give us and take us away. That He will read does judge. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people try to. I, I don't. They say that it's about our time, and um, I feel it's it's at this point understanding history and a little bit about the Bible that it was really in Ezekiel's time, and that it's the same story being recycled over and over again because of the rebellious nature of fallen man. And so it seems like every generation or so there seems to be the same story over and over again. And uh, I, 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 God's ways are greater than our ways, so I just, uh, I'm glad I'm one of his. That's all i got to say. Because life is, you know, everything is in this world is subject to vanity, and truly is vanity is vanity. It's all vanity, you know. They, yes, it is. Putting your faith in these things of this world, and when you pass away, <clears throat> who will even remember any of it? For those 
who sell their souls to the dark side. You know, you might be remembered for a generation or two. You might have some books written about you, but in the end, you're forgotten just like all the rest. Was it really worth it? It was never worth it, was it? And so all I can say is thank goodness God got a hold of us because we... Amen. I was going down the same road. A road that was a dead end to begin with and a dead end that was never going to amount to anything anyways. Praise God. And it was. <laughs> uh, Amen. Okay. Uh, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to confirm to be confirmed, can be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So, yeah. So, uh, conform to the image of his son. <clears throat> Predestinated. And he did foreknow. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of his son? Well, I think, you know, the uh, it is a lot of different things to be conformed to the image of his son, but one of the things is we could say most assuredly that we were not predestinated to be conformed to the image of the world. We weren't conformed predestinated to be conformed to the image of Satan. We weren't conformed to be predestinated to the image of all of these false images and idolatry out there. And it's interesting because the first term, of course, is foreknowledge or foreknow. And you know, there's there's a huge, huge group of people that totally annihilate the meaning of foreknowledge. They say you look down through the portals of Christ, looked down through the portals of time and saw that you would choose him. But this is a lie because we see in the next clause, he says he also did predestinate. And if you take a Webster's Dictionary and look up the term predestinate, it means to predetermine what happens to a person before it happens. <laughs> okay. So God <clears throat> knew us and he predetermined what would happen to us. And the predetermination was to be conformed to the image of his son. Now Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. And so, because he was the firstborn, that means that we ended up with his seed in us, the spiritual seed of Christ. And this 30th verse has often, down through the historical ages, 
by those who hold these truths been called the golden chain of salvation. <clears throat> you cannot be called if you're not predestinated. And you can't be called you can't be justified if you're not called. And you can't be glorified if you're not justified. And vice versa to all those terms. In other words, it's a package deal. You know, it's a package deal. Starting with foreknowledge, going to predestination, then to effectual calling, then to eternal justification. <clears throat> And then, of course, to everlasting glory. So, you know, what better way to answer this golden chain of salvation than in the 31st verse? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So I have a question. <clears throat> I have a question for those out there who say, um, you know, that you know, we, we can never really know whether we're his or not. Hmm. How can you say, how can you say we can never know whether we're here, his or not when it says, you know, um, in, you know, in the 28th verse, we know, we know all things work together. If you could never know, why, you know, why is verse 16? How do we know yeah, through verse 16, the Spirit itself breathes witness yes. to our spirit that we are the children of God. And it is yeah. interesting when it comes to this whole thing, when I look and I meditate and, co and contemplate about what we're reading here, and I look at my own history of my life, my mortal life here, and uh, I... I, he did. I didn't. He predestined it, it, us to even for you and I right now to be talking and to even believe in Christ. There was no, I had no choice in this. You know, my choice was for years and years and years was to say no and kick and scream and not saying I don't want to. That's right. And that yeah. and it, I mean, we talked about you talked about how like you said your mom. I mean, I don't want to be here. And I remember That's the right. same feelings and thoughts, and that I don't want to be here. Like, I don't belong here. Yes. You know, and a lot of people feel that way, and a lot of them I see them in programs like Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, and they use that as a way of moral psychology, but the thing is, the more you read the scriptures, you go, well, I wonder how many of them, I wonder, I wonder how many of them are uh, God's elect right now just lost in the world. That's right. And they've been lied to. They've been lied to. But God's not going to lose a single one of His. So there's no That's point exactly in even right. taking any credit in any of this. Or you know, it's like here's the other thing too. Because God elected us as, and chose us to be His children, we also have to think about the fact that He also. There's a lot of people out here that have not been, and uh, the majority. I don't know. I don't know the majority. I don't know who is. But, the, you know, there's people in this world that are dude, have not been chosen, not been called, and not elected to be his children. And, you know, this is something that I think really gets at a lot of folks, and maybe Arminius and all these other people that are so embarrassed by God's truth, 
because of ignorance and because of false teachings and just the false sense of what we think is justice to begin with. But, uh, you know, it's one of the things, too, is to always, one, I guess, one of the reasons why they have compassion for others. It doesn't mean to support what they're doing. It doesn't mean to, you know, you know, root them on and all that. But the same token, although we can hate the things that they're doing in this world, we don't have to necessarily hate the person because they didn't really have much of a choice any more than you and I had a choice to be a follower of Christ. Because truth is, if we did have a choice, we would be just like them. That's exactly right. In fact, there, you know, it is absolutely a mind-blowing thing to all of God's elect, I believe, to contemplate our own election and and realize the magnificent faith of Christ that we have been given to say. You know, what shall we say to these things, okay? If God be yeah. for us, who can be against us? I mean, we can, you know, I think that's what a lot of the reprobate wicked sense that God is, is against them, you know? God is against them. They have not experienced his grace, and and that's why we have in the second chapter of Psalms that exemplified why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a, a vain thing? <clears throat> and then the interesting thing about this is the the great comfort for God's elect is, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, in the 33rd verse, <clears throat> it says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, I'll tell you who's laying the charges against God's elect, those who are not. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the people that are laying uh, charges against God's elect are those who who are in rebellion and hate God and don't want to have any part to do with him. I remember there was a time in my life when I had the attitude, just leave me alone. I'm not... I don't want to talk about these things. I don't want to deal with these things. I just want to be left alone. Get out of my life, okay? But guess what? I didn't have a choice. (laughs) God elected to stay in my life, continue in my life, and show me my own depravity and all of those other things. But what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Even those that are laying charge against us, you know, their charges don't mean anything because if God be for us, it doesn't matter how many of the reprobate are against us, you know. Exactly. And how shall we, how shall he not with him? Well, it's uh, 32, it says. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And, um, and of course, every time it mentions us in all of this passage, it is referring specifically to God's God's elect, you know. <coughs> Well, yeah, we don't need to, yeah, we just write it a couple of verses. <laughs> I yeah. had so. Yeah. We're talking about the election. I always like to remind people of that, though, because when you get certain people who take one verse, you know, 
like 32, and they'll take it out of context. And they'll say, there you go. God spared not his own son to deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You have universalism right in one verse out of context. <laughs> you know, so. <clears throat> right. So it's interesting, too, though, because uh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How do we, how should we, how do you think we should take that time? Well, I believe it means, I believe when it says, you know, ask the question, how shall he not freely give us all things? That, that that that's what it means. That in other words, we it says in Ephesians, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in every heavenly places, and it tells us in another place that He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and so on. And so, and by the way, <clears throat> all things mean all things. And so, I would ask, I would ask those who are in the uh, doubters camp. Would this also include assurance of our faith? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it says, how shall he not with him also give us all things, including the assurance of our election? You know, there's a scripture that says, knowing, brethren, your election of God. It doesn't say, doubting, brethren, your election of God. <clears throat> you know, and so, but, Christ. I think part of part of that Go ahead. is this this whole issue of our uh, being. You know, though we're still electing uh, chosen of God, He still allows us. And I think it's thankfully and graciously so allows us to be still be a fallen, sinful, you know, creature in the sense. That, well, yeah, we're still we have the corrupt body and so. All of us, every brother that I know in Christ, when they get down to it, everyone has vices about us and behaviors and things that we are ashamed of and regretful and maybe a bit anti-social and all this other stuff. Uh, kind of like when you talk about Paul and you know the, you know the thorn in his side type of thing. You know we have things. That God allows in our lives to remind us that we, you know what, no matter you're, you're, you're chosen, you're elect, and I called you to, for whatever my purpose is, you still aren't any better than Lot. And you're not well any stated. better than, you know <laughs> what I mean? So just don't think too highly of yourself, and make sure of well that. Stated, and the world and doesn't think... understand that because they've been conditioned and they try to condition everybody else. That if you're a quote unquote a saint, that you're supposed to be some kind of amazingly pious individual. <laughs> that's, uh, and that's not the case. That's, We're that's very well stated. I, I think the savior. I, I think you. I think you really nailed it, brother. And I think that <clears throat> you know when we when we are saying these things with uh, an assurance. A, a man, a manner of assurance. It's not to take any credit to ourselves. It's to give God the glory that He could actually take such a vile, wretched sinner and show us His love, even though we're the most undeserving of it. I mean, this 
you know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament in Isaiah that says that I will not share my glory with another. What we're saying is we're not sharing in any of this part of God electing us. We're not sharing in any of this part of God conforming to the image conforming us to the image of his son. But what we are doing is we're saying <clears throat> verse thirty four, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. You know, all the glory gives to Christ and His complete work. None of we don't we don't we don't take any credit for anything. In fact, we are we are deserving of damnation. You know, right? Well, there's there's a the 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 reassuring verse that um, maybe we as God's children. Uh, memorize that's 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress persecution or famine you mean we could actually be starving and this or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for the, thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So, you know, in, in the day, this is the reason why I think, you know, a reason why it is importance of not being in love with this world. Because oh, yeah. this is, this is the outcome for most people, whether the elect or not, that we're going to go through stuff like this. And if you read Ezekiel carefully, you're talking about the whole house of Israel and God's like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cause pestilence and famine and wars and all this to pass judgment on uh, this idolatrous nation that has rejected me. Um, you think to yourself, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not this is not what the world is trying to project about who God is. You know what I mean? Um, but God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. And in his wisdom, and his, I mean, I can see a little bit why he had to do those things. We look at now in this world of how few people there are that are actually just speaking, talking right out of the scriptures. And they're just projecting their superstition, their idols. And idolatry is rampant again. It's everywhere. And, and uh, it's truly quite disturbing and people think well you know I don't know I'm not praying to some statue aren't you how many of us are you know are really spending our time in the word of God and in prayer and really uh, walking with the God how many of us are taking us really seriously the fact that we are even his elect now I'm not pointing the finger at enemy as the old saying goes there's three pointing back at me I'm just saying we are we've grown up and live in a generation of idolatry par none I don't know if any you know if they look at these statues and the in the things of the past the statues and the great temples that they made but you got to remember this not we got the Satan's altar in our home the majority of us have Satan's older in our home. 
you don't even need the great edifices, the facades of the past. Satan is in his brilliance, and God allowing it, is allowed that, hey, this is what you want. There you go. You're right. Judgment will be passed. And so we got to be, you know, as children of God, we expect it. If we're blessed and fortunate, maybe we won't have to go through any of that. But tribulation, I don't know anybody who has not. Distress, I don't know anybody who has not. Persecution, uh, most of us will experience one way or the other. Famine, nakedness, perils, and sword. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that. But the majority of God's select throughout the generations have actually had to go through all this. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's right. And you know, one thing that we need to remind ourselves of <clears throat> is that God has ordained, God has so ordained and decreed all idolatry that exists in the world. God, did, has, yeah. so, God has so ordained all tribulation, all nakedness, all peril, all sword that his people go through. And he is so also ordained, <clears throat> he ordained the fall. You know, it wasn't option B. I mean, he didn't give Adam and Eve a free will and said, you know, if you eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, if you eat of it, you will surely die. You know, that there's a whole group of people out there that are purporting the Adamic covenant. God had a covenant with Adam and said, you know, if you if you obey me, you'll live forever. <clears throat> no, no, there was no Adamic covenant because if you go back to Genesis, it wasn't a conditional covenant at all. What God said is, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the day you eat, in other words, you're going to eat of the tree. It's just what day it is, okay? And so God has, God ordained the fall, and it's the only way that there would have been a need for a Redeemer. Had there not been a fall, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. There would have been no need for redemption. And, of course, the great thing about it is for God's people. He chose them in the foundation of the world before the world was even created, before Adam even fell. <laughs> so I think we need to remind ourselves that, and that's why the last three verses of this chapter are just, I think that it, for God's elect, any time... You know, if, if someone were to ask me, you know, can you give me a prescription for depression? If I know I'm speaking to one of those who seem to be uh, a recipient of God's grace, the best prescription for God's elect are 37, 38, and 39th verses of this chapter. That's the best prescription. Say, Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. By the way, loved us is like past. <laughs> yeah. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature that shall 
shall be not excuse me shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Yeah. It does, by the way, it doesn't say that uh we will not experience these things. No. It no. just means that we will not be separated from God. And I imagine that he allows all these things to happen so that, well, he knows. I'm not even going to try. But if, if if I think, just as a man may think, the reason he allows all these things to happen to us is to realize and help us to appreciate what he actually has done for us. But then again, I could be absolutely wrong, and odds are I am. So, but... Well, I, I think that... I think the only thing that makes sense why God has allowed even his elect to go through all these things is that there's some kind of... There's lessons to be learned. And one thing is, first of all, that you are chosen from the foundation of the world and you're one of God's elect. And you don't. if you truly believe in Christ, Jesus Christ, you didn't even have a choice in that. <laughs> That's right. And you know, you if you flip this... If you flip it on its face, think about this. I won't use any identifying names. I'll just say for those who are in a different camp, you know, like I already stated, there are a whole group of people that are laying charges to God's elect. There are a whole group of people who are condemning. And there are a whole group of people that say that you can be separated from the love of Christ by your own works. There are a whole group of people that say <clears throat> that uh, we deserve death uh, and damnation for disobedience. Well, we deserve it, but the question is, has Christ completed the work for a people? And there are a whole group of people that are persuaded that all these things can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, because we are not measuring up. Our lives just don't measure up. You know, we are just not living in a manner that's pleasing to God. And if our life and our our works are not in alignment with them, what they think this should be, then we're castigated and condemned. And so... There is a huge contradistinction between those who adhere to these doctrines and those those who do not. Well, you know, another issue probably is too is that it's not very um, useful and building up their churches and their little kingdoms on on earth, their little their little kingdoms. That's right. Because if you really do preach this to, to what the Bible says to the the average person, they're just not going to like hearing what, and rightfully so, what would they like to hear what they're hearing? Why would anybody like to hear this unless they were in the end of the day when it got locked? <laughs> That's right. That's Who right. And most like people, most people need a confessor. Uh, or they need a confessee, one of the two. In other words, they need someone they can confess their sins to other than Christ, like a pope, or a minister, or a bishop, or a deacon, or an elder. Or 
they need someone to confess to them, which exalts their office, exalts their position, and makes them feel more self-righteous. But, you know, we don't need to be a confessor or a confessee because we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's the only mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to go to our pastor or reverend or a doctor or priest or father or whatever title you want to put on it. We go to our Abba Father. And that's you, that's another good point you make. And People are looking <clears throat> for man, you know, for man's acceptance, for man's acceptance. But we are looking for Christ's completed work. We look to Christ's completed work, and there's nothing like the righteousness of Christ, the imputed righteousness of Christ. Christ, God looks at the work of Christ and says, you know, Larry Phillips is is righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Not any righteousness in Larry Phillips, and the same thing with Michael Michael Adams. And so it's not imparted to us. We don't have we are not imparted the righteousness of Christ. We are imputed. We have the imputed righteousness of Christ. Roman Catholicism teaches that you actually have imparted righteousness. You know, and I'm glad that I don't have to trust in any righteousness of my own, but I look to the completed work of Jesus Christ for my only hope and my only uh, hope of heaven. And, of course, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's even more than, <clears throat> you know, again, back to the golden chain of salvation. It is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but it's more than that. And sometimes when you say that, be all, 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 you're adding to the gospel. No, no, I'm not adding to the gospel. But it does say foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. That is the complete gospel. You know. So. Well, all praise and glory go to our our mighty God. In Jesus Amen. Name. All right, let's end the recording and listen to you. you have anything else you want to say? No, you want to... I think. Okay. I think that's yes. a good place to stop. All right. <laughs> for, for those who would like to chat afterwards, I'll, I'll leave uh, it open and uh, we'll let those call in or and et cetera. So, what? Thank you, Larry, and your family for joining us, and for those. Thank you, brother, for sharing with all us. The, too. All the rest of uh, um, fellow saints in Christ listening in. So.